We're good. Cue intro music. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Polly, to... you're supposed to do the intro oh. music. I don't even know what it is. Lexi, chime in. Come on, intro music. That's a fun element. You're going to want that every week. Yeah, every week. Yeah. We're going to record that. <laughs> uh, so welcome to Project Rise Fitness Project Podcast. Uh, we are joined this week by myself, Paula Horowitz, your member representative, uh, coach and owner, Caleb. Say hello, Caleb. Hello, hello. And today we have a special guest, our nutrition guru, Miss Lexi. Thanks. Hi, guys. Um, this is Lexi. I'm one of the coaches at Rise, but predominantly my role here is running our nutrition coaching program. So thanks for having me on. Excellent. We are so happy to have you. Um, so this week, because we have Lexi with us, we are going to be starting a kind of like a little cycle on nutrition. And nutrition, from my perspective, is one of the most challenging pieces of a healthy lifestyle because unless you have some extra cash laying around to pay Lexi to come over and make all of your meals, this part is really self-directed. And so I struggle with cravings. I struggle with my willpower. I just got back from a little vacation and I probably didn't stay on track the way I should have. So it's great to have Lexi here with us this week. Um, but before we dive into talking about some really incredible and insightful information, we need to do our weekly challenge. Caleb, do you want to talk us through what we're doing this week? Yeah, so each week we choose a couple different things to talk about um, from a flavor perspective, macro perspective, um, different foods. So last week, because we were unprepared, we tasted air. <laughs> and <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah, it Very was tasty. really incredible, uh, but we promised to get better. That's, that's part of success is getting better at things. <laughs> so this week, while we don't have the foods in front of us, we have three topics we'd like to talk about. <laughs> Yes. So this week we are going to focus on dressings such as items you would put on your salad, um, toppings or sauces, right? Is that how you say it? Like qualify yeah, them or I quantify so. them? Um, and then what was the third one again? Common table. Oh yes. Condiments. Uh, yeah. Condiments. Condiments. So we are going to talk about hot sauce. A lot of people love hot sauce. We're going to talk about dressings such as ranch dressing, or as I like to call it, white girl salsa. And then we are going to talk about condiments such as ketchup. These are three really common things that people like to put on their food. We're going to talk about the consequences of them. So let's start with ranch dressing, my favorite. A quick question. Yes. And this will be for you, Lexi. If salsa ketchup or ranch sorry hot sauce ketchup or ranch which is the best it's probably a question you might get something like that definitely a question um in terms of flavor i think there's going to be a lot of debate here um but i'm going as to a nutritionist, say, as nutritionist what's the best? i'm going to say uh well actually and from a flavor standpoint because i'm one of the few weirdos out there who actually do not like ranch or ketchup they actually make me gag um so i'm going to say hot sauce but not just because so, I hang on we, we need to yeah. stop for a second so Let's talk about that because so, that's yeah, way more funny, important funny than knowing if hot comments. sauce is so, good for you or not. When I used to wait tables, I actually couldn't physically refill the ketchups because it made me so nauseous. So that side work, I always had to give to another waitress. because and, and it was funny because they all knew, oh, don't make Lexi. And if someone was mad at me, they would make me refill the ketchups. Anytime I had to bring ranch dressing to a table and there was so many times where I'd pour it, it would overflow and get everywhere and it'd get, ugh, it would get on. Ugh. 
I actually Ugh. think that I feel sick to my stomach oh, so hearing bad. you say this about ranch. Oh, it's so bad. I, I agree. Ranch is my one of my favorite things. I actually ever. have a handful of ranch right now. When it comes out of right a giant now. jug at a restaurant, and then when the ketchup comes out okay, of the actual let me paint a picture pouch, for you. it's a giant pouch of ketchup right, that has a I'm squeeze gonna, tab. Oh, that you have to I'm going to paint a picture. you a really big picture here. Beautiful All right, Lexi. Imagine amazing avocado oil. And then she likes this some uh, really low macro. So like only a couple grams of fat, but they're super healthy fats because they're coming from avocado oil. It came from an organic farm in the North Pole (laughs) and it's white as snow and it's produced in a glass bottle that's sustainable made locally somehow. It's ranch. Now, how do you feel about ranch? In the North Pole and it's ranch. But is it still ranch? It, like you said, you're telling me it tastes the same? It's, yeah. I don't know if I like the. Oh gosh, I'm. I, no one's gonna listen to this podcast anymore if I'm on it because I'm gonna lose all credibility if I say I just don't actually like ranch. <laughs> so I'm going to say that I would give it a shot. Fair. There we go. Fair uh, enough. All right. Okay. All right. That makes more sense. So basically, <laughs> you just don't like vats of ranch. Fair. I'm yeah. Condiments weird me out. I don't know why. Well, Hot let's circle back. On yeah, this. we can circle. Yeah, so let's circle back to this. Kayla posed the question though, and we went off on a little tangent there about flavor. And you and I, we might go to fisticuffs over this uh, one the, because the I do. Yeah. I am like the classic white girl loves my ranch. Uh, but when it comes to nutrition, what road are you going to go down? For sure, the uh, the hot sauce and salsa route, especially if you're comparing that um, just from a health standpoint, calorie, um, food quality, when we're looking at sauces, condiments in general, there's a lot of hidden ingredients in a lot of these things, um, especially like a fat-free ranch can almost be worse than a regular ranch because in order to get it still creamy that way, it's uh, just loaded with different chemicals and preservatives and things that really aren't food. Um, and even even sauces, sauces can be loaded with sugar. Even ketchup um, has like high fructose corn syrup in it, and a lot of sugar is added to a lot of savory sausage, which seems to not be necessary because even something that should be more salty, there's a lot of added and hidden sugars in those as well. So from a calorie standpoint, you're adding a lot of calories to your meal from such a small amount. Typically, um, serving sizes for dressings and sauces are like two tablespoons. And if you actually measure out two tablespoons, it's actually like a slap in the face. For me, I relate this to nut butter because two tablespoons of nut butter is just offensive to me because who can, <laughs> so that's just ridiculous. Um, but even like a serving of putting to putting it on your a salad for a lot of people, that would not be enough. So you end up putting on way more and then your calories can hundreds of calories just in sauces and and certain dressings like when that. i make my salads i use a a nice healthy uh ranch dressing but um i end up using and it's not that much um on there but it's five servings of the of um ranch when i make my salad so and, and if you were to look at it you wouldn't be like oh that salad's doused in ranch right. um, that's just the common thing but quick question i'm sorry to interrupt you brought up the the non-fat option, but when you start looking at organic options, like there's an organic Heinz ketchup up out there, is it better? 
I don't think organic necessarily makes it better for me. It's just going back to reading the the ingredients. Um, so like I know, for example, like Annie's brand, she makes a, a ketchup that just doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it as the sweetener. So like some of the better ketchups probably just have like an organic cane sugar. Um, so again, I, if you're going to eat use ketchup definitely um just err on the side the one that has a better ingredients it might not be perfect but it's definitely better than the one that you're gonna see on like your average you know like bar table that is gonna have the high fructose corn syrup just because of the glycemic level and the different sugars they are gonna just metabolize differently um so is all sugar great for us i mean no but there is definitely a spectrum of sugar i guess you could say um and I mean, there's definitely different arguments for this in general, but I would say I put sugar on a spectrum. There's definitely the lesser of the evils. So if you can pick one that has a higher quality of ingredients. So that that kind of brings to the, the question. Um, we get this a lot where it's um, people ask us, is this food healthy or not? And the first question we usually ask back is, what are your goals? Um, and so when we're talking about food, whether it's healthy or good for you or the right types of food, a lot of the times the way we've learned to break it down is um, based on your goals. So if you're trying to lose weight, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing or gain weight. We're going to spend a lot of time focusing on how much you're eating and the quantity and the distribution of that quantity. If we're talking about energy levels, long-term health, um, and Lexi could expand on this, we're going to talk more about food quality. Obviously, in an ideal world, we're trying to tackle both of those. But when someone comes to us from a weight loss perspective and says, I'm trying to lose weight, the quantity of food you eat will always trump the quality. And most of the time, people get confused and think that as long as I'm eating healthy things, I'll lose weight. And that's not the case. Now, quality is a very close second, but it will never trump the quantity. Lexi, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. A lot of people ask me, how do I decide if a food is good for you? And I say you can look at a nutrition label from two different perspectives. There's macro-friendly food, which I say refers to the quantity um, and like how many calories, protein, carbs, and fats it consists. And then there's um, a long-term health types of food. So if it's macro-friendly and you're just worried about your how much you're consuming and you're trying to hit certain macro targets, then looking at the label just in terms of like the numbers are going to be more beneficial than the ingredients. You're going to want to look at, okay, is there is, is the protein carb to fat to calorie ratio within what I'm trying to accomplish from a consumption standpoint? Um, but if it's more trying to fix a health concern or a health condition or just have more energy and live a healthier lifestyle, the calories are going to become less important and the ingredients and where those calories are coming from are going to become more important because the ingredients are going to be what, where that is, is going to explain, um, is going to say more about the quality of the food itself because not all calories are equal. Um, so I do have a lot of people that will, you know, maybe avoid when they are just looking for long-term health, they would avoid like a salmon and avocado dish because it's going to be really high in calories just due to the high healthy fats when maybe like a lean cuisine or some other meal might be half that calorie. But if you actually look at the ingredients themselves, a salmon and avocado is going to be way better from a quality standpoint, even though the calories might be higher. That would be an instance where if you're going for just health, you'd want to pick that over maybe something that so might have lower calories. A question we've got, um, if I were to just eat, uh, Twinkies or gas station food, could I lose weight? Unfortunately, it's been proven that quantity can 
uh, Trump quality. What if I were to have but. like salads every day and have like super organic stuff? Um, could I also gain weight doing that? Yeah, salads are actually the, I think I call them the silent weight gainer um, because they usually consist, uh, c- uh, contain more calories than like a majority of the other things on the menu. It's mind blowing actually. And they don't necessarily have bad calories, mo- some salads, but if you have a salad that has, um, a couple different healthy fats, like let's say goat cheese, avocado, and walnuts. And then even if it's a good dressing with like olive oil or avocado oil, and then you have, let's say maybe some dried fruit, um, or dates or, some other type of like more um, high glycemic carb. I mean, your calories are just at that point, just astronomical. It's really easy to load on a lot of good quality calories in a salad. But again, good quality is fantastic. But if you're wondering why you're gaining weight from eating such great food, it could be because you're over consuming calories, even though they're good calories. So real quick, if we were to do, let's take like a common salad. I mean, I think a lot of people know Caesar can sometimes be bad, but like a Waldorf salad, you know, Waldorf. I'm not even the salad guy, and you don't know Waldorf? Is that the the walnut apple one? Yeah, it's like walnut, apple, feta. (laughs) What's the dressing? Like maybe a vinaigrette. It's usually sometimes a strawberry vinaigrette, but some type of vinaigrette base, yeah. So real quick, if those are the ingredients, can you just off the top of your head start listing the calories associated with each one of those? So there's a serving or two of walnuts in there. Yeah, so a serving of two, uh, so like two tablespoons of nuts is going to be roughly around like 180 calories. Um, so that's, that's so a very 100, 180 amount. to 300 calories in nuts. Um, then we have some feta cheese in there. Uh, about an ounce of feta, it's going to be around like 80 or 90 calories. Okay, so probably another 200 calories just in feta. So we're at five, and all we have. Our nuts, nuts and fat. Depending on how much you Which have in there. Which is yep. the good part. <laughs> 500 calories. And then yeah. you, add, you add some, uh, this salad has a fresh fruit, but if you add like a dried mango to the salad. Oh gosh, dried mango. That's another one of those serving sizes that I think are a slap in the face. Like 40 grams of dried mangoes, like 36 grams of carbs, which right there is like another 120 <laughs> calories. Yep. Okay. And then we were add a really healthy, uh, vinaigrette dressing to it but you kind of like vinaigrette so you put maybe put like you know two or three servings on there yeah two tablespoons of dressing is usually going to have anywhere from gosh 10 to 12 just grams of fat alone um in there usually that could easily be another anywhere from 120 to another 200 calories just in dressing Per so serving. If, per serving, yeah. If I did my math, now keep in mind, I did not teach math. That's fair. I taught language arts, but I tried to do this in my head. Just for that salad, we're close to 1,000 calories. And one thing that we didn't consider in this is how many grams of proteins in that salad currently? So far... Well, there's going to be a little protein from the walnuts and a little protein from the cheese. Actually, cheese does have some protein in it. Um, but usually per serving, cheese might have like five or six grams of protein. And the nuts, again, per serving might only have about five or six grams, depending on the nut. So we're talking so, 10 grams of protein. Um, yeah. And that was for about, well, yeah, anywhere from 10 to, fi- 10 to 15, just depend. yeah, depending on how much. Yep. So for someone, uh, let's say a woman who's, um, you know, weighs roughly 150 pounds, trying to lose a little bit of weight. How many grams of protein should you roughly have in that meal? I'd say low end, 20 to 25. I like to I like for people to have about an average 25 grams of protein per meal. 
assuming they're eating about three meals a day, that's at least 75. And then the rest can be supplemented in snacks. But that again is low end, um, closer to 30 to 35. And then if you were a a large man like myself, (laughs) currently a little overweight, probably 40 to 50, I assuming you're getting what you want to get about 200 grams of protein in a day, 40 to 50 is going to, yeah, per meal, get you close. Now I need to interject here for just a moment because I have expressed in the past through my blogs as well as last week, um, last podcast, I struggle with the nutrition piece. So hearing all these numbers fly around is, is tough, right? All these macros and high glycemic something or other. I don't even know what just came out of your mouth. Um, but we're basically what I'm gathering from this is eating salads. Isn't going to do it. Thank God, because I'm not a salad person, but finding a balance recognizing that if you're going to put on a hot sauce, if you're going to use a ketchup, for example, um, that you're going to want to make a good choice. And just because it says low fat or no fat doesn't mean it's the right choice. Am I understanding some basics? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we've seen with nutrition is what's communicated as healthy. Probably at least half of it is not. Now that's a blanket statement, but Um, People come in all the time thinking certain things are healthy. Um, And this could be a a really good segue into talking about, um, like, if there was one thing that we would have people um, take away from what we teach, especially from a nutrition standpoint, is the ability to apply your knowledge. Lexi, do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's more uh, just about that, like, when you said, okay, when you asked if you were correct on what we were saying about the dressings, it's more about just that education piece and just getting people aware of the difference between something that is more macro friendly or long-term health friendly when looking at a label so that when Caleb mentions applying your knowledge, it's more, it's like a different filter or different lens that you could look at food through so that you can recognize when a label is, um, going to be fitting within your goals, whether that is the, um, the amount of calories and macros in it or the specific ingredients themselves, but just empowering people to make a decision that they know. So if you're going to intentionally eat something that is maybe not great for you, like that's okay, but at least you kind of know going into it consciously that you're making that decision. So we want people to go in with enough tools and understanding about how different food can affect them in many different ways and get them closer or further to their goals. Um, And then being able to just look at food through a different lens and have a different perspective when they are um, trying to figure out, is this healthy or not? Because I think like Caleb said, a lot of things that are marketed as healthy these days, um, are not. So the more questions that we can have people like ask themselves, almost like a mini checklist, like, okay, does it check all these boxes? Um, and then building different habits around what they're going to eat, you know, as opposed to something that they might've chosen previously without that knowledge. So really it's just building that knowledge base and building those habits. It's not so, about sticking to a certain amount of food more so than others. So let's say this, let's say I met with you and, uh, or I researched online or whatever, and you gave me all that knowledge and it was just all of a sudden implanted in me and I know it perfectly. So I know what to eat. I know the macros of every salad or food I put in my mouth. Um, why would I still potentially fail? Well, just because you know information doesn't mean you know how to apply it. So we have found um, it's just like reading reading a textbook. You could read something, but that doesn't mean that you could then go out and, and do it. So 
understanding how to build habits, how to implement different strategies throughout um, a wellness journey, we think is actually more important than specifically knowing what to eat, when to eat. Now, those things are definitely important, um, maybe especially for more of like a performance standpoint, but for people who are just learning how to live and eat healthier, I can give them a list of groceries and meals to make, um, but that doesn't help with the little things that actually require habits, such as weekends and social events, going out to a restaurant, traveling, um, a busy work schedule when all of a sudden you're working a 12-hour shift and you haven't eaten so like all those little I just call them like life just they're just life events that everyone experiences it's those things that can end up throwing a wrench in your plan that you that doesn't matter that you know what to eat now you're at a restaurant now you're on vacation now you're at happy hour what habits what strategies what tactics can you use to still stay on track that really has nothing to do with what to eat or your macros it's it's a different it's something new that you have to implement it's an action so that thumping that you heard in the background was like my jaw hitting the floor over here because I'm taking in so much information. Um, and I really want to key in on something that you said, um, just a, maybe it was in the, the answer to your last question, um, but it's that knowledge base. And I think that for, for me, we all come in with a different baseline. I fortunately have, you know, somewhat of an understanding of good eating habits and, you know, exercise, things like that, because I come from an active background. But recognizing that what works for me is not going to work for somebody else. I have, as you guys said, different nutrition goals, different fitness goals, different wellness goals. So I want to throw something at you here and get your, your insight on it. When I tell people, because, you know, I'm like the CrossFitter now, like, oh, I worked out today and, you know, I'm, this is what I'm eating. This is my, my diet, my nutrition plan. I always get that. What do you mean you're on a diet? So I thought about this a little bit and I started to do some research. And Lexi, I want your insight on this. When we talk about diets, what does a diet really mean? So I dug into, you know, the Oz of the internet, Wikipedia, because everything oh, on there yes. is, is like, y- you can't go wrong. If you well, write it. Everything's accurate. Everything. Yeah. It's Wikipedia. I wrote it. Therefore, yeah. it must be right. Um, but when I looked up the definition, it basically means it's a native diet consisting of something, right? That's one of the definitions. But when we talk about diet in terms of our health and wellness, it means what something eats. And more specifically, it means a limitation on the amount a person eats in order to reduce their weight. So we're talking about deprivation here. So I think that when people hear me say I'm on a diet, they look at me and, and I'm not overweight. You know, I'm 115 pounds. I stand five foot one, but I'm not where I want to be. So I am changing my diet habits. So where, where's your take on this as a nutritionist? Yeah, I um, actually, I've read a definition of diet and I think what it like years ago actually really does mean is just what does your daily food intake consist of, like you said. Um, and that is what the word should mean. Now, I think we have a social definition of diet that means a restriction, a deprivation of food that is going to get you to a certain weight. I totally agree. I 
don't love, I don't ever use the word diet because I think it has a very negative connotation and it shouldn't because I'll even ask clients, Hey, what does your current diet consist of? And I just mean, Hey, what are you eating right now? And sometimes look at me, Oh, well, I'm not on a diet. And I'm like, Oh, okay, we have to use a different word. You know, it, diet really does mean just what are you, what are you eating? Um, because diet makes people think, okay, I'm going to have to deprive myself, restrict myself of things, um, give up certain things, go cold turkey and eliminate things from my diet that I'm going to miss. I can't enjoy things. I have to starve myself. Um, so we have been really careful about not using the word diet. Um, we actually had it on our website for a while and we had to sit down one day and we're like, why do we still have this word up there? We don't use it. We need to take this off because it's sending the wrong message. We're not going to put anyone on a diet. We're putting them on a nutrition plan so that they can follow a nutrition journey. So we are trying to get away from the word diet and replacing it with nutrition plan. One of the things that we've seen with um, people getting on diets is like Lexi said, they're extremely restrictive. So the psychology of it is that it's hard and almost everyone in the world has tried a diet before, if not many, and no one's done a diet and gone, man, that was super easy. Right. And the reason why most people stop their diets is because they're too hard. And the second that their motivation drops, that they get tired, that they get sick, that they travel, that they get out of their routine, their ability to do it, it's done. And that comes back to the concept of it's too hard. And so our job and our goal is to help people make it easier. And there's lots of different ways you can make it easier. Education and knowledge is easier around what's good and what's, what's not good. Um, but then the ability to apply it is also a big piece and help teach people. How do I, how do I make sure I'm following this and accountability and discipline is important, but not the variable to success. Lexi, how many times do you hear people come in and say, I know I just need to commit. I just need to get better at it. I just need to do that out of, you know, Tim people you work with, how many times do you hear that? Oh, it's like 90% of the time. They're like, I know what I need to do. I just have to do it. I know what I need so, to do. I just so have to do it. So why do you think they're not doing it then? I think accountability is huge, but I also think that they might be approaching it with a different mindset. I think success, you, you see more success um, when you have a certain mindset behind it. And if you go in with a mindset that this is a diet and this is going to be hard and it has to be something that I have to to follow. And like, I think another word that it gets associated with diet is like rules. I have to follow all these rules. Um, and so the mindset is is very negative because it seems like they have to change their entire lifestyle to follow these new rules um, when it could really just be like, oh, hey, here's a new plan I'm going to follow and a few new things I'm going to try or here's a few things I'm going to implement or here's a few things I'm going to swap out. Here are um, alternatives to what I'm eating or here are some replacements or here is a, a, a step-by-step goal I can use each week to reduce consumption of something like just terms that you use can fix someone's can, can change the mindset. And I think that that will lead to a lot of success with well, someone. One of the things uh, I personally enjoyed about doing macros, um, that's a, a popular diet today, which really could mean lots of different things. But oh, you just said diet. He did. He did. He did. Take it out. You owe uh, us like 10 burpees the, right now. Go. Well, what, popular to, nutrition plan. To, to be fair, I started, started it thinking of it as a diet. Um, but yeah, when I, when I started it, it was, it was, I think the reason it was most success, successful for me over any other diet I followed 
um, cause they were diets like paleo and stuff like that. Um, was, uh, the freedom to be able to apply things that I actually like. So it, it wasn't about restriction like most of the other plans out there are where paleo is about, Hey, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Or doing whole 30 or something along those lines or no carb diet or intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is about not eating. So all you're thinking about is not being able to eat a low carb or no carb diet is about not eating carbs and macros is more about, Oh, well, these are the numbers I have. What can I eat with those numbers? And then it's actually kind of a fun game because if you're a normal person like Paul and I and like ranch, you can eat it. <laughs> this but, is true. But if you prefer to, eat, prefer to eat like rabbit food, uh, like Lexi, <laughs> then, uh, then, then you can choose to eat that and you can make it work. But I think that's, um, plays into it. Now is macros the best form for every single person that exists? Lexi, you want to answer that question? Um, no, de- definitely not. I think it's, excellent for people who have the ability to be consistent. And sometimes it just comes down to certain people's schedules. Um, if you have the same schedule every day and uh, depending on like what you do for a living, macros can be um, extremely beneficial, but it's not going to work for everybody. Like if you have, um, if you're on like a weird shift job or you travel a lot for work, sometimes it's just really hard to, to be consistent. And I know it can actually sometimes cause more stress to people than others. Cause they're like, Oh, I have to log my food. Or if I'm out to eat, Oh gosh, how do I log this? So I've seen it um, add more stress to people um, than than others. And I think it just really comes down to the individual person. If you are someone who really enjoys that consistency and, and if you're a numbers person and you like data, um, then I think it's great. And it definitely has been proven to work the best out of anything that I've experienced. But the best plan is really going to be what you'll stick to and what's going to work best for you. And if you know in your lifestyle that doesn't fit, then yeah. So... I just want to make one, like, you know, the layman's term comment on this. So I've struggled with the whole, you know, deprivation piece. I can't have pizza. I can't have that beer at the end of the day, although I don't drink beer because gluten is my enemy. Um, But there's things that I would have to cut out, and that would make me really grumpy because it, it was, you know, psychologically that deprivation. I work hard. I should be able to eat pizza when I want pizza. And I think, yeah, I agree. So yeah. what, you know, I, I'm bad about logging every day. I'm working on that. But I have found that by keeping track here and there, um, it allows me to see that I can have pizza and I can balance it out another way. And having the guidance of yourself and some of the other nutrition coaches here has really helped me see that there is balance. And I have found success in the few weeks that I've been really focused on this. So mm-hmm. it, it can work even if you're busy. It's really creating what we talked about earlier. It's helping to establish what your baseline is. Mm-hmm. Where are you coming in? So I got to track for 10 days consistently, and I really saw where my calories were coming from and how I could switch those around. So I still got the things that I wanted, but I was getting them in a better way. Yeah, following macros is education. And, uh, and it, you, awareness. It, yeah, yeah, education, awareness. And so we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast, we are talking about salads. When you look and follow macros, you quickly learn, wow, salads don't do it for most most of the time for most people. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat salads, but it, it brings that awareness to it. And that, oh, wow, you know, a healthy chicken breast sandwich with fries actually might be a better alternative right now than eating a salad. Uh, so it's that knowledge that you're going to get. So when I go and do some other nutrition plan, 
I might not be gaining that knowledge. I might be learning about what I should and shouldn't eat, but I'm not gaining knowledge about food in general that then I can apply to everything in my life and I'll learn more and more the more I do it. Excellent point, Caleb. Thank you. Um, I was just looking at something else. You know, we have Lexi here with us, and I have to tell you that's one of the greatest advantages of being a member here at Project Rise is not only can I show up and do these incredible workouts every day, but each of the coaches has a nice, strong foundation in nutritional practices. And I can ask a quick question of Bo, of Christine, of Lexi, of Megan, of Caleb, of anyone here. But if I want to dive a little bit deeper, we have this incredible opportunity to work with you guys as nutritionists specifically. So talk a little bit about what some of those uh, plans are to work with the nutritionists here. So we have a couple different programs that we can run with our clients. And usually we start out by asking, um, and I know Caleb has said this several times, which is one of the things we try to focus on is what are your goals? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to eat to perform and maybe gain some muscle mass? Or are you just trying to um, uh, reduce symptoms of a health condition and just live a better lifestyle? So once we have an idea of what someone's goals are, we can figure out the right path to put them down in terms of one, the information that we provide and the things that we look to teach them over time, but also the amount of time that we work with a client. How much accountability do they need? How much guidance and individual instruction um, and one-on-one sessions do they need? So we can work with a client just once and set them up with a plan, or we can put them through a 16 session program. Uh, And we have everything in between six weeks, 10 weeks, 16 weeks, um, monthly. So whatever the client feels that they need in terms of that guidance and accountability, we have a program for you. Now, what about, sorry, Caleb. Now, my husband is the chef in my house. Thank God for him. Since he came into my life, I have literally stopped cooking. So he's done great following all of the information that I take home to him, but winter time comes and he travels. What is something that I can do or what options are there out there if I'm not good at preparing my own meals and like prepping for my week or my day or my evenings, whatever? So we really recommend partnering uh, with a meal prep company. So in fact, we have some great relationships with some local meal prep companies here that, um, and we we have a couple that we work with for different reasons. A lot of the uh, meal prep services here are for athletes and people who are very focused on their health and nutrition. So there are a lot of paleo, gluten-free, dairy-free, grain-free, high-protein, high-carb, low-fat, low-fat, high-carb, different meals that you can specifically order on a weekly, monthly basis that are delivered either to your home or to your gym. Um, There's even some where you can just go pick them up out of a fridge where you can just go select your own meals. The nice thing about a lot of these services is they do have the macro information on there and they are really great in terms of like being allergy friendly. So taking advantage of some of these meal prep services are huge, not only a a time saver, um, they can be a money saver and they just help mix things up a little bit. And they do alleviate a lot of the stress that people do get from having to prepare their own, their own meals. Awesome. My husband better be prepared for that bill because I'm not cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb, did you want to add anything? Um, I think Lexi teed it up nicely. The, uh, the one of the things that we offer we don't do a great job at communicating is you can meet with Lexi or one of our other nutritionists for free we do a body composition analysis so you can get on in body machines see what your body fat is see what your muscle mass is your hydration level 
Um, and then the, you'll sit down with the nutritionist and not only will they go over that, but they'll talk to you about your goals, give you some recipe ideas, some snack um, travel ideas, lots of different things. So we offer that free to every single person that steps in this door. Um, so if that's something you're ever interested in, we would love to help you out. Um, and I mean, that that's our approach. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Lexi uh, is so passionate about what she does. Um, and it's because she loves watching people succeed and she challenges herself every day to get better at that because she wants to see people succeed more often. And it's cool to have someone like that on staff because it's a plethora of information that, that is getting and growing by the day. So we're thankful to have it. Um, hopefully this podcast was helpful for you guys. We, we probably will be doing like 27 nutrition podcasts. Yes. I am back. Thank you for saying that, Kayla. But you almost make me feel more guilty now about the ranch comment. I feel like I owe you like a spoonful of ranch one day for saying such nice things. I can't promise anything, but I mean, maybe. Maybe that. Appreciate those words. Maybe by the next podcast, one of the things you will have grown in is your ranch consumption. Yes. Yes. That, that I'm speaking she gagged. She literally just gagged. I pose a challenge. I'm trying to decide if I'd rather go catch up over ranch. And you I'm do both. Thinking, best best dish I ever with a little hot sauce mix mixed it. in. It's called French that dressing. That sounds awful. What is that? What? Why is that a thing? I feel like there's times, like I've been to a restaurant where they've made their own house-made ketchup and I've dipped sweet potato fries in there and like I'm okay with that. I don't think I've ever had ranch like ever in my adult. Yeah, I think I'm going to go if I had to. Okay, so maybe this is a good way to end the podcast. Um, oh no, what am I lumping? Well, what am I committing to? <laughs> ne- uh-oh, uh-oh. Yes. yes. So describe your best sauce. If you could choose a sauce, what would it be? And not considering uh, health or macros, just flavor. Just melt nut butter and put it on anything. Melt it. Just you can melt nut butter? Well, I, I mean, if that. it's not already that creamy, just, yeah, you heat it up, get it, get it <laughs> can spreadable. You, can you and, expand on and the and nut drizzle? butter? No, like, I, mean, I want a nut specific butter is the definition. Thing in nut the butter world. means lots of things. What's the specific? Cashew butter, peanut butter, almond butter, uh, sunflower butter, coconut butter, any, what really, company? any type of, oh, man. You had, all right, you're so about to die, ones. and you get one more sauce serving. What are you going to have? your last meal oh yeah no nuts and more um the uh maple uh chocolate maple pretzel peanut butter or their hazelnut butter hands down what are you dipping Big plug in? for nuts and more how i'm not sponsored by you guys by now is amazing because i plug you guys all the time i hope you're listening and what are, what are you dipping that into a spoon <laughs> paula you're up oh boy i i'm gonna stick with ranch i can put ranch on just about anything in fact i'm pretty sure i do put it I can relate with nut butter. I'm with you. I mean, and I do love my nut butters, but I think I use like half a can for one apple. So I've got to say no to that. I'm going to stick with my ranch because if my ranch or my apple like falls on my plate into my ranch, I will still eat it. In fact, I'll lick the ranch off and then eat the apple. Just just dip my spoon in it. Yeah. I think mine would be, uh, it's a dip that I made uh, when I was a bachelor and only had like three things in my um, fridge one day. I was trying to figure out how to eat. So I started mixing them together and it was full fat yogurt by Faye, but you can make it probably by any. Salsa, just a traditional salsa, hot sauce, and garlic salt. Oh, that sounds great. And you mix it all together and usually chips would be the dipping. Um, and it's incredible. Will you bring that next week? It's almost like a next creamy, time. like buffalo kind of like, kind of like almost like yeah. a creamy buffalo. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's buffalo. Oh, I, like that. I will make my homemade 
It's kind of like a queso, but it's so much better. I'll bring that next time if you bring your stuff next time. Well, now we're transitioning you, you bring into me yours, dips. I'll bring you mine. This got into this got into a dip category, and now I want to throw in guacamole because that's almost what? equal to me. Because now this again what, it really could be you, its own podcast. We dipping, really could. What are you? Could. What's your dipping utensil? We could, well, with the oh, with guacamole. Oh no! I, I that one of the things I do let myself eat are, are chips. Like I can I can destroy a bag of chips and guacamole. Now maybe they're the Siete Paleo tortilla chips occasionally, <laughs> or the sweet potato chips. But if I'm at a Mexican restaurant, I will eat the corn chips. I'm literally I'm not salivating that, yeah. over here. It's probably I know I'm really I'm hungry. hungry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're hungry. Caleb. Well, thank you, ladies, for being on the podcast. <laughs> thank you for um, having me. Yes, thank and you we for hope to do like some more. And cue exit music now. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun